college, one of my professors shared with us an illustration to help us understand the way that truth in theology works. And I've found myself using this example a lot in my life, and especially over the past couple of weeks, sharing it with other people as well. It's this idea that truth and theology is like a narrow road with a deep ditch on the left and right side of it. And when you're traveling down that road, it's really easy to veer off into one of those ditches into an extreme point of view that is only related to that truth. And that's why it's really difficult for anyone who is in one extreme of the truth to understand the truth, because from their perspective, it looks like it's coming from the other side of the road. It's coming from that other ditch, that other extreme. And oftentimes when people are searching for truth, they will sometimes bounce from one extreme to the other, missing what the truth actually is. And that truth, more often than not, comes in the middle of those two extremes. And we've been going through Jesus's parables, and the one that I want to look at today really follows along with this idea of the truth being found and there being two extremes on either side of it, two opposite extremes for that truth. And so we're going to go through this parable, and as we do so, I want you, the listener, to be listening for the two extremes that are being presented in the parable, and we'll talk about each of them, and then talk about the truth that is found really in the middle of those two extremes. So this is in Matthew chapter 22. It begins at verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. 
Jesus spoke this parable in a temple in the middle of Jerusalem, the most religious place there was at that time. That's where Jesus spoke this parable. And in it, he was speaking to the people there, really to two groups of people that were misguided. He was speaking to the Pharisees that had taken the law of Moses into their own hands and twisted it in order to gain control of others. And he was speaking it to people that were Jewish in name only, but didn't follow Christ when he appeared. And he's using the people in this parable as an example for each of those groups. So first he begins by talking about those that were invited to the wedding banquet that refused to come. And if you look in verse 5, it gives the reasoning why they were refusing to come was that they were going off and doing their own work. It says one went to his field and another went to his business. And so those that were invited to this wedding banquet that represents the kingdom of God did not attend because they were too busy with other things. Now, I like to take these parables and not only talk about the context that they were in and who they were addressed to, but also relate it to our modern day times as well. So Jesus in the first part of this parable is addressing the Pharisees. He's addressing those that were invited but were too busy off doing other works that they thought were good to attend, and that was the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees had been given the law of Moses, they had been given the scriptures, but they made those scriptures that they had received about God, made them all about the things that they did and the things that other people should do. And they really took those and disconnected it from God in the same way that these people in the parable were going off and doing good work, doing their business, tending their field, but had disconnected themselves from the king that was inviting them to the banquet. And so if we were to take that context and apply it to today, this would be being applied to people who call themselves Christians and go out to do good works, but never check to see if it's the work that God wants them to do, or if that good work that they're doing actually aligns with what Scripture teaches. They're too busy doing good things in order to attend the king's banquet and preserve that relationship with him. And it's important for us to remember that going and doing good works does not make us automatically a good follower of Christ. That we can do all the right things, even for all the right reasons, but if it's not tied back to God, then it is ultimately rather pointless. Because not only can the right things be done for the wrong reasons, but the right things can also be done in the wrong times, for the wrong people, and in the wrong ways. And that's why it's so important that we allow God to guide the work that we do in order to ensure that it's actually producing the fruit for God's kingdom rather than just for ourselves. Let's say that I was a skilled builder. I was really good at building things. 
and I found out that somebody needed a house. And so I took my skills and I gathered the materials and I built this person just a wonderful house. And I really pour my heart and soul into building this house for them. And then when I go and present it to them, I find out that the house they needed was a dog house for their dog. All of a sudden, that great work that I have done has been for nothing. Sure, the dog could live there, but that house isn't going to fit in that person's backyard. And now what do I do? See, I was so focused on doing that good work that I lost focus of the need that the person had. And I missed that crucial detail. And see, God knows so much more than us what people need and really how to address the problems that are in our world. And we can go out on our own and sure, we might make some good difference. We might even make a lot of good difference. But if it stays disconnected from God's guidance and and we really neglect our relationship with him in order to go out and do these good things, then we really can't call ourselves followers of Christ. We need to allow God to guide the works that we do to ensure that it lines up with his word and his will. And this is one of the extremes on this road of truth. This idea of going out and doing the works of God, but staying disconnected from God in the process. So let's look at the other side of this, because there is a person in this parable that takes it to the other extreme. And that's the person that came to the wedding banquet without wearing the required wedding clothes. And because of that, he was thrown out. And this applied, Jesus was speaking this to the Jewish people that were there that were not the religious leaders, that had in their minds this idea, well, we're Jews, we're Jewish. That means we're God's chosen people. And so we're automatically in the will of God just because we're here. But Jesus was saying to them that even though they are still God's chosen people, that that doesn't automatically make them walking in the will of God. And so then if we were to take that, that same teaching, and apply it to people today, it would apply to those that come to church every Sunday, regularly, and believe that they are walking in the will of God simply because they show up to church. But the truth is that you can sit in church your whole life without ever letting it truly transform your life. And so this is the other extreme. The first extreme is going off and doing all of these great things, but being disconnected from God. And this extreme is sitting in the presence of God, 
but never actually doing what he calls you to do. And it's actually really easy to do that, to sit in church Sunday after Sunday and never let it affect you. All you have to do is treat church like a buffet. And I know that that illustration has been used a lot, but I'm still using it because people still treat church that way. They treat the Word of God and the truth that should be applied to their life like a buffet where they can just pick and choose the things that they want to have and leave behind the things that they don't want to have. And people do that with church and with the Word of God all the time where they say, these are the things that we like and and to me this is what being a Christian is all about. And you know these other parts that I don't understand or that I don't like or... I don't understand how they can work with the other parts of Scripture. I'm just going to leave those behind. And too often we do that and say, well, I'm a Christian because I X, Y, Z. And if somebody asks, well, what about A, B, and C that Scripture teaches? They dismiss it and do their best to ignore that topic in the future. And when we do that, we are really stunting our spiritual growth. And saying that I'm only going to accept these parts of scriptures and not not other parts of scripture. And it's very much like this man that wants to come in and enjoy the banquet, enjoy that wedding banquet, without making the change that is required for it. And being a follower of Christ is not just about showing up and having that outward allegiance. But it's allowing God to transform your heart and life with the truth of his word. And none of us are perfect. As long as we live on earth, we will never be perfect. Which means that we should always be in the state of spiritual growth as we accept not just the parts that we like from scripture, not just the words of Jesus that are agreeable to us, but everything that it teaches. And if we're uncomfortable with it, then that means that there's not something wrong with the Bible. There's something wrong in our heart. And we have to allow God to stretch us so that we can grow into a deeper understanding of who he is and what his will is for us. So those are the two extremes being presented here. The Pharisees, who are like those that refused to come to the banquet because they were too busy doing these good things. And the Jews that were like the person who showed up without the wedding clothes thinking that they got a free pass because of who they were and where they were. So then what is the truth in this scripture? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ. Who in this parable were followers of the king? It's those that were there, not just for the banquet, but they were there before the banquet even began, who were his servants. The servants weren't just there to receive the blessings of the banquet. They were there to serve their king and to follow whatever it was that he told them 
to do. Because they had to be there in his service to hear his voice and follow him and obey what he told them. And that gives us the example of what it does mean to follow Christ. That we are serving in accordance to his guidance. And I want to share with us another passage that talks exactly about this, about serving others as God leads us to do just that. And that's really something that can't be disconnected from following Christ. This is Philippians chapter 2, and starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so here in Philippians, we see how Jesus, as the son of the king, embodied this humility that led to serving others according to God's leading. He also said that he did nothing except for what he saw the Father doing. And if we are to be followers of Christ and be united with him so that our lives reflect his life and our hearts reflect his heart. If that's what we are striving for, then this passage in Philippians shows us that that will cause us to serve others with humility. To be like the servants in this parable that Jesus tells, who are already in the king's service, listening to what he tells them to do and going out and doing it. That is what it means to be followers of Christ. That is what our life should look like. And it's not possible if we find ourselves in one of those two extremes, of either thinking, well, I can go out and do all of these good things, and I don't need to check in with God about it because I can trust my own judgment. Or if we're on the other side and say, well, you know what, I'm here, I'm in church, I'm a, you know, faithful attender, so I must be in God's will because of that. Those good works aren't going to make you a follower of Christ. Just showing up isn't going to make you a good follower of Christ. It's are you humbling yourself and saying, God, I am simply your servant and we'll go into that a little bit more next week about 
being a servant of God. But saying, I'm just your servant. Tell me what to do. Show me the paths to follow. And I will obey. That is how we become a follower of Christ. That's how we obey God, is by humbling ourselves before him so that we are willing to serve him as he guides us to serve others and that we are allowing his truth to penetrate our very heart and life to help us grow closer and closer to him and closer and closer to our life reflecting his purposes. So in light of this, I'll leave you with this question today. How are you serving and how are you growing? Because when we are following Christ, we will be doing both of those things, serving and growing. And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, Feel free to contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I would encourage you to share these messages with other people to help spread the truth of God's word. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen.